All right, all right. What up? Stuart Anderson here, Meet Dwelle Podcast. This is episode 71, where we hear from Shane and Nate from TBD Racing. So grateful for these two gentlemen. Many Meet Dwelles know them from Team Camp, from Lodija. And if you go down and ride in Newport, you've met them, you've ridden with them. And so we thought it would be fun to dig a little deeper into their story, who they are, and what got them into cycling, and how they excel so much, not only personally, but as a team. Uh, at cycling we're grateful for their example and their friendship hopefully you enjoy this episode and learn a lot from these two gentlemen not a lot of announcements from me we do a few announcements inside the podcast about team camp obviously team kits are open for 2023 on the team store as well as shopify where you can pay your team dues so do so and if you have any questions reach out to me i'm happy to help and any questions you've got about spandex I've seen it all and can help you with sizing or styles or anything. Just let me know. All right. Enjoy episode 71. Thanks. All right. What up? Welcome to the Dwelly Podcast. Stuart Anderson here. Here uh, on the video, you can see Jay Cook. You can see Shane Kennedy joining us live from his beautiful living room. And Nate Kazir joining us from, I don't even know what, conference room? What is that? Uh, conference room D. <laughs> joining us from beautiful sunny california this is team tbd uh grateful to have him on this is our second tbd episode which we're very grateful for chris really left us wanting more so here's more they're here okay Uh (laughs) i I was thinking you probably got all you needed from chris but no no uh jake are we gonna share any more team camp goodies or should we just put it on the website you know we'll put it on the website i know that uh we're just in the, the pre-planning stages right now. So obviously we have the dates out there, but uh, we're, uh, I have a few things on the list we're going through. And so uh, I think once uh, once kit store closes on the 9th, mm-hmm. um, we'll have a list of, of those who've, who've paid dues and uh, we'll create the, the group chat or the, the team camp group chat yep. then. And cool. so we'll kind of move through there. So I did find out that April 15th is also the same day as the St. George Century. <laughs> so... Ooh. It's going to be crowded down in St. George, so get your um, hotel and stuff figured yep. out now. And we're going to be sharing the city. So, uh, yeah, like Jake said, kit store is open until January 9th, and then we'll ship right around the 1st of February. So, yeah, kits are open, black and red kits. And then Team Shopify store has socks, hats, T-shirts, and sweatshirts, as well as your team fee. So do it. Hey, right. speaking, of, speaking of kits... Okay. Your guys' kits these year, th- this year are freaking oh wild, boy. man. Oh boy. oh, boy. We need to put a picture of that up on, on, that, on this podcast. That, has that closed? That's closed, the kit order. That's the closed. TV kit order yep. is closed. Okay. Yeah, closed. Who designs get- all those, Shane or Nate? Uh, we have a design committee that consists of Chris, Mike. Is it TBD? Myself. Just TBD, whoever it is? Uh, oh, you mean who designs them outside of it? Yeah, or just... I mean, it's Chris, Mike, and I that do the designs, and we work with the attacker guys to kind of pull it all together. Okay. They're Nate wild does, this year. Nate does the arm sleeves. He specializes yeah. in I accessories. Was, of arm warmers. I was uninvited. <laughs> I was disinvited from all things design committee. The few years people ago. that get no say whatsoever, Nate might be on Right. That. That's tough, though. You can't have too many voices in that experience that's hard if you have any old Maybe soccer socks send them, your, send them nate your way soccer socks. yeah the three we have already makes it a robust discussion so and if you invite anybody else to share their opinion it becomes impossible because 
you have slobs like me, but then you have other guys with strong opinions, but terrible taste. <laughs> so it turns into a mess. Oh my gosh. Yeah. When we looked at the, well, we'll put a picture up. I don't know who, I don't know how much, who designed that. Like from a des, the designer that spent the time on that. That is, inc that's incredible. The new kits. So um, if you don't know, if you're totally in the dark team, TBD, um, they are very good. We are very good friends, sister clubs out of um, Southern California. And we experience a lot of bike things with TBD. So it's good to, uh, we really enjoy chatting and getting to know each other. And that's worthwhile for all the teams since they're at camp, they're at races. Um, and we see them in the Mormon Riviera when we go down there and participate <laughs> in summer beach activities is that a good name for newport mormon riviera that's pretty much what the newport villas is as far as I know. <laughs> jake any anything else you want to say about tbd before i read our formal introductions no i just i just love these guys so much man they know my, my feelings towards them but uh there's no no better group than these guys and uh if you guys go to cali they're welcoming with open arms so fun to ride with and uh the safest guys to ride with too man so it just uh mad kudos to these guys considering some of my best friends and uh just look up to each of them so just super stoked for this podcast and just love these guys nate what nate what year was that text sent to me you and wade <laughs> when, when was that that really was the first the first interaction yeah formal. i believe i believe it was 2019 2019 yeah okay okay yep so, so 21 yeah first formal introduction um Wade, the TBD member in a, that I know through my cousin, Nick, um, knew that we were going to be in the same loaded group as these two gentlemen. And so connected us. Um, and that was the beginning of a formal, a more formal relationship. Um, and that man, 2019. Okay, great. Although I think I'd seen you and, uh, did you ever do Rockwell Nate with yeah. Wade? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. That, that might've been an informal greeting at that moment. So, Okay. Well, I um, asked your wives to ride a short bike. These are really fun. Um, I'm always nervous of like what will come out. Um, Jake was really nervous for what Brooke, his oh. wife, right? And it was good, Jake. It was good. It was good. Yeah. I mean, that you got, you went home and you guys hugged and kissed after <laughs> you really made you feel good. This is the same. This is going to be great. Okay. So, Brooke's wife, or I mean, Nate's wife, Brooke, she wrote this about, and we can, we can, pause and chat about any of this or dive in deeper <clears throat> especially this first line nate allen kazir aka <clears throat> stinky okay to his family or so he agrees that's that's that is the name it's the cross eye bear uh -huh. is that a, fra a flatulence problem or is that a body odor problem what is that uh, it's glandular <laughs> i don't know it's just he's a sweat machine ladies yeah, and gentlemen. yeah. okay don't ride okay. behind it with your mouth. That is known. That is no. well known. Okay. Born in the uh, heartland of Costco, Kirkland, Washington, but grew up in Sandy, Utah. Graduated from Alta High, where he served as student body officer his senior year, helping elevate his coolness factor even higher than it previous previously was. Uh, I, I like Brooke's comedic style here. It's very good. As a kid, Nate's dad would take him and his younger brothers mountain biking throughout southern Utah instilling a love of bikes 
His first kiss, all right, we're diving right in, was at the mm, stake dance under the basketball hoop when he was 14, instilling Ooh. a love for ladies in him. Nate was a ladies' wow. man. Don't let him tell you otherwise. That's in parentheses. Maybe I wasn't supposed to read that, but <laughs> after being a ski bum, he served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Brazil. Which mission, Nate? Uh, Brasilia. Oh. So it was a big one. Okay. Geographically huge. Becoming uh, an interrogator for the United States Army. That's not in parentheses. Is that true? That's true. Okay. Breaking his back. And I'm sorry, what? You broke your back. Yeah, I broke my back. T5 and T6. Holy moly. It was amazing. Should we talk about that later? Or is that, you want to tell Uh, us that? uh, We can. It was, you know, I broke the the number one rule of trying new tricks up on the ski hill. We were Mm -hmm. snowboarding that day and I, tried to go too big on my last run of the day. So mm-hmm. conditions were crap and I went too big and uh, came down too hard. And it was up at the at Beaver Mountain uh, okay. in Logan. And I knew all the guys at the ski patrol there, all the lifties. And I think they got more of a kick of dragging me down on the sled than than anything else. You know, like <laughs> like circled back. around the bottom, right? Yeah, look at this idiot. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't anything that like paralyzed me or anything, just hurt really really yeah. really bad but, okay yeah. dang okay um okay nate finally ended up graduating from utah state with a degree in political science then went on to attend law school at pepperdine he's currently an attorney at pain and fears aptly named for nate's style and attitude towards writing no pain no gain <laughs> push through the fear i like that Nate loves spicy Doritos, sour candies, uh huh, Tootsie Rolls, Snickerdoodle cookies, and taco flavored kisses. What? Yeah, it's great. He's wow. blessed to have the most loving, kind, supportive, super hot friend group around him, aka TBD, and his wife. He wouldn't be the man he is today without them, either of them. He's a doting father of four crazies, a disciple of Christ, a fantastic orator and tenor, uh huh. And if you truly know Nate, you know his biggest competitor is himself. His mental strength and resilience is like unlike any other. He's the kind of guy you feel lucky to know, knowing he'll always have your back. Boom. Nate. Uh, lovely. Nick's going to get a special hug tonight. Shane, <laughs> Shane would, you, would, you add any, would you add anything there to your compadre's uh, bio? I don't, only, I don't only concur in all respects. <laughs> I think the other thing is he's the most selfless guy I've ever ridden with. So, Amen. That's, that's funny coming from Shane. Uh, that, that's high praise, as they say. I would. Uh, is Kirkland, Washington? This has nothing to do with you, Nate. Is that really the heartland of Costco? Is that the truth? Uh, yeah, that's where you like all the products. Like, what? It's like it's a suburb of Seattle. I think Kirkland okay. is like where the hospital was that I was born. Hmm. But okay, great. Yeah. All right, Nate's is uh, great bio. Shane's is three times as long here, so buckle up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let's go. (laughs) Let's go. All right. Born in San Fernando Valley, a true Valley boy at heart, the oldest of six kids. That's a big family. Very cool. Oldest. He grew up maintaining straight A's all the while skipping classes to surf and plan his high school's best parties. Shane began college at CSNU, later transferring his freshman year to BYU where he also transferred his devotion to skipping classes for surfing to skiing. (laughs) Nice. He then went on to serve a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Puerto Rico. 
Returning to BYU after his mission, Shane was the editor of the Journal of International and Area Studies. What in the world is that, Shane? What is that? <laughs> My wife going way too deep. <laughs> I like it. Dude, it was a journal published by the business school at BYU. Okay. okay. After graduating from BYU, he headed straight to USC. Ooh, USC. That hurts. Sorry about that. We got yeah. him. We got him. We got him. I know. Sorry, Caleb. Shouldn't have painted that on your fingernails. <laughs> Shane got a, law, a job with Latham and Watkins from USC, eventually becoming a partner at the firm. He's built a career as a capital markets attorney. I don't know what that means, but focusing on the niche of life sciences. He's ranked amongst the top capital markets attorneys on the West Coast, and he's been a leader in several positions, ranging from office managing partner to global co-chair of the firm's capital markets practice. Sounds like Shane wrote his own bio here. I don't know if that <laughs> Sounds like my wife looked up my bio. On I like that. That's fun. <laughs> Find this on LinkedIn, you know? Copy and paste from LinkedIn, yeah. Okay. Finding himself in a place of overwork. This is a great paragraph. Overstress and overweight after several years of grinding as a lawyer, Shane decided something needed to change. In true to form Shane, Shane fashion, he signed himself up for the most grueling, that's in quotes, Ironman event in the country without even informing any of his family how extreme this was. He was just hoping to be motivated and to work out and get healthy, ended up losing 40 pounds and developing a love for performance and exercising that he couldn't have imagined before. Dang. Is that true? All truth. All, all truth. I was 205 pounds. What wow. year was that? Fluffy. That would have been uh, 2009 was the year I did the the triathlon. I, I didn't really like intend to sign up for the most grueling. I just was the only one available in the time slot that I had. So <laughs> that's where I went. <laughs> and I just assumed it was like advertising. I was like, they're all grueling. How could it be the most? <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> all right. When a group of avid bikers and friends in Irvine asked him to join their group, and trained for a race called Lotija. He had no idea what he was getting himself into, but he's now completed competed for the last 12 years. He's made some of the best friends of his life and has played out every scenario from not finishing Lotija to winning the race twice. He will tell you that he bikes to eat, but what he gains through biking in terms of friendship, camaraderie, and super fitness has been completely life-changing. Agreed? I do bike to eat. No. Oh. <laughs> she gets into that in his last paragraph. As I said, oh, Shane, Shane bikes to eat, which includes his favorites, Wiener Snitchel, Taco Bell, Sweet Tarts, Lemon Heads, just old school Lemon Heads. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, Nate, go. You eat Taco Bell? I thought it was Del Taco or Die. No, I'll go either way. Okay. Wait, are we still in his bio? Are we still there? <laughs> okay. We're good. His go-to snack, marshmallows. Huh. Yeah. Okay. He eats them all day, she says. Straight out of the bag. One of the most astounding things about Shane is that through some of the most demanding work hours, time away at church, and pursuing ways to keep himself healthy, he manages always to walk in the door and have energy, attention, and love for his wife and kids. Even when he has nothing left to give, he always shows up with love and humor. Shane's the funny bone of the family with all of his gener generosity of soul. It's hard. It is not hard to figure out why he has such a loyal following of family and friends. He, she also says here, 
also probably one of the only managing partners at work to quote from Fast and Furious in all the speeches you give. <laughs> Fast Five, which, which also one? True. All of them. I go for all of them. Yeah. I love it. La Familia. Yeah. Very good. Hey, this was great. Those were really good. That was really fun. We've never done a co- this is uh we're in new new territory here co podcast uh nate anything we needed to add there the marshmallows is a new thing hmm? i didn't know about that yeah the but, mini marshmallows what is it just plain old marshmallows regular old marshmallows it's usually like a marshmallow and like half a handful of like butterscotch chips or chocolate chips holy moly are those in the back pocket of the jersey or what yeah, well, not when I'm riding. That's just when I'm run, running around the house. Oh, right. and if you crack open a bag of marshmallows, it's like I mean they got a daylight. Yeah, I mean it's gotta, like one day. You got to go. You got to get through. Yeah, them. you got to work through them. Hmm. I'm gonna try that. It's a whole good. new world. I <laughs> All right. Hey, maybe Shane go first. Let's talk about cycling. Okay. How did? I mean, we already heard a little bit about how it got started, but maybe you you talk. Maybe you tell that story. Yeah. Sure. I mean. So um, it was 2009. I had been a partner at the firm. It's my second year as a partner at the firm. And my life up until then had been largely working, you know, 16 hours a day, six, seven days a week. So I was uh, noticeably out of shape. Like I said, easily 205 pounds. Um, and I was just like, I've got to figure something out to fix this because it is bad. So I, uh, I had, I had one, I had run one marathon in my life. The only marathon I've ever run maybe four years before that. Um, and I had a buddy that had done a half Ironman and I was like, all right, that sounds like it's more interesting than just running. So I'll give that a shot. So I trained for that basically all by myself, right? I didn't have any buddies that were doing it. It was just me like running, swimming at the local pool, getting on a bike for the first time with like literally no idea what I was doing. And it had those weird triathlon bars on it and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it was a mess. So I went, I went and did the triathlon. We walked up to it and there's this sign that says like most grueling North America triathlon. My wife is like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. It's just like, that's the name. It's not a big deal. <laughs> it was and it was absolutely horrible. So it was in Vegas. We swam in Lake Mead. We rode kind of around Lake Mead and then into Henderson. And then the, they did this half, half uh, marathon course that, from my perspective, went in circles uphill the entire time. Like I, <laughs> I couldn't figure out how it worked logically. But it took me like seven and a half hours. I thought I was going to die at the end. And, uh, and that was what got me started. And then I he's hooked. Well, I came back from that and I, I ended like up it. connecting with a couple of guys that were riding, um, Tate and uh, from our group and Tyson. And that was the first time I actually went out on the road and rode with other people. And I was like, wow, this is like way better than all the nonsense that I've been doing. And so from there, I, I pretty quickly rotated over to like regular road bikes, riding with those guys. And and those guys, like, that's all they did was train for Lodija and go do Lodija every year. So it was just kind of like this natural, okay, that's what we do. We we ride bikes every week, and then we go do this Lodija thing. And we don't run. No more running. <laughs> well, I did probably four more half Ironmans after that, just trying to, like, 
thinking the cross training was a value and then I decided it wasn't. So I just stopped it all together. <laughs> and which, which race was it? Like, what, what was that? The, is it the pumpkin man? What was it? was it? called the silver man. It's now, I think it's converted now to like an actual uh, half Ironman yeah. event. And it's like the Vegas, like it's some, you know, official Ironman thing there. In Vegas. Let's go do it. We should do it. Jake. <clears throat> Bring back memories. Should we do it? Nope. I'm, I'm nope. game. I might have like post-traumatic stress from that. It was a horrible experience. We'd win the bike part. That'd be fun. <laughs> Yeah, we would. it would be a whole different bike experience for me mm-hmm. trying to do it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nate, we heard from your wife that you were a big mountain biker as a kid. What about what else? What else got you into this? Right, uh, boy, I re- I remember way way back when the training wheels first came off, and that memory was that okay, now I have some freedom, and that freedom from just you know it wasn't I wasn't confined anymore to my house and my yard. It's like, dude. I, I can go as far as my legs will carry me as long as you're home before the streetlights come on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been in love with bikes ever since. I mean, mm. I remember my dad coming home one day with some mountain bikes saying, check this thing out. And I thought he was trying to like poach on my BMX style because it was like grown up size BMX bike. This was, a, this, I don't know, like 86, 87, 100 something years ago. And he's like, and these guys at the bike shop told me about this place. It's called Moab. And they have like, it's like rocks that are like roller coasters, but for bikes. Mm-hmm. So let's go check it out. And yeah, from about then, from about 10 years old, we we spent a lot of time down in uh, down in Moab and riding around. It was just, it was part of who we were um, for a long time, mm-hmm. me and my brothers. And then started to get distracted. Betsy Joe Jepson uh, at the uh, Draper Steak Center. The um the song was oh no <laughs> and can you take me high enough by warrant wow and she had told all her friends that she was going to break up with me if I didn't kiss her back oh my gosh it was terrible but uh <laughs> uh I started to find other distractions I think you know like a lot of people around the time you get a car and get some more freedoms like that and I kind of fell away from biking for a while and then yeah it was. I was around the same time as Shane getting back on the bike. My experience was a bit different. Long lawyer hours, same thing. And I, uh, I, I, I wrecked my truck on the way home hmm. from like a. It was like three in the morning. I was coming home from from work, and you know that scene in Tommy Boy where he like backs up at the gas station and the door like he hits it on something, and the door falls off. Hmm. Uh, that's what I did, but the door doesn't fall off. It just bends really bad. And then the insurance company's like, no, that your truck is now ruined. You've broken the frame or whatever. So, uh, we didn't, we didn't buy a new car right away. So I just borrowed my dad's old aluminum specialized, unless like circa 2005 and started riding on that. Uh, and then Tate Iyer, who, who brought, you know, good friend of ours. And he saw me riding one day and he's like, Hey, come join us. And so I, I hopped on. I was I was a kind of a runner before then. I did one marathon and realized I crossed that finish line and was just like, never again. I will never do this again. Uh, and then I joined these guys and you know they were all kind of fluffy, these older, bigger guys. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm an F. I can run. I can hang with these dudes. And they kicked my butt for a year. In fact, they kind of they almost disinvited me from riding with them. Uh, I have I have a very solid memory of Tate Iyer sitting up on top of a hill sending one of the pioneering cyclists from our group, Mark Facer, down to uh, 
tell me that I was going too slow and they needed to leave me behind. Oh my and gosh. The question was, you know how to get home from here, don't you? And I, I nodded, but inside I was screaming, no, I don't. And, <laughs> and off they went. And I tried to just, well, I guess if I go downhill for a while, I'll find my way home. Eventually did. But yeah, that was, that was early 2009-ish. Nice. Yeah. nice. And then you, you, did you and Shane do Lodija the first year? Did you, guys, did you guys know, were you guys riding together? Did you sign up together? What happened? Uh, the Shane, I think did it a year before me. Okay. I think I tried, I had barely started writing in 2009 and I tried to do, I actually signed up with my brothers and my dad to do the relay at Lodija, but I did it from like a Utah address. And I don't know if that, well, we didn't get in gratefully. So I don't have relay staining my record, uh, <laughs> but, uh, Ouch. but yeah, I did not write that first year. And then it wasn't until 20. 10 was my first okay very good oh 2011 sorry 2011 was my first yeah um i think more than anything your guys when we watch and when we ride with you you both have incredible passion for the sport not only for your team for your success like the way you ride your bikes your gear maybe talk about that like what maybe you go first shane what what is it about the sport that draws you in what do you love about it I mean, it goes back to a little bit of the transition for me from the triathlon to just the cycling. Like I was immediately hooked when I realized sort of the, um, not just the cycling aspect of it, but the friend aspect of it and the camaraderie. And, you know, I had been, interestingly, I mean, I had probably mocked Tate and these guys for years, like, cause they would always try to ask us to ride all the time and we'd be like dude we're not putting on the spandex and getting out on the road it's <laughs> happening and uh and, and it was just very interesting for me the transition because like once I started riding with them I was like this is like it's just so fun like I love being outdoors I loved the fact that you know I could ride with five or six guys it was competitive but it was still fun we were all buddies we had a great time together and like to me that's the piece that has really like kept me in it is I found this like exercise that keeps me healthy and sane but also I mean it's, you know for all intents and purposes the only social thing I do is cycling I mean other than that I'm home or I'm at work right yeah. so so it really does I mean I think Chris said that's on his podcast like it just checks all the boxes for me I mean I just feel like and, and look, I love to like shop for things and buy cool stuff. And there's no, there's no end of it. And it's like, like so, so it does that too. That's awesome. And if it's not cool enough, you just get it painted cooler. You just get it fixed. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot of folks that get the stuff that I don't think is, is still cool enough. And then I move to the next. <laughs> And I did learn being in Cali over the summer that uh, if you just drop Shane's name at the Costa Mesa Specialized Store, you get first priority front row Boom. seats. So nice. <laughs> that was very helpful. Thanks, Shane. Of course. Of course. <laughs> How about you, Nate? What is it? What is it? I mean, you've had a life. This is a lifetime then, lifelong. Um, what is it about? What is it that you love about cycling? Uh, I mean, everything Shane said. And it, I, I don't know if I could repeat or add anything that people haven't already said your podcast is kind of the best like just listening to everybody's stories and to be able to relate to it and to say yeah I get that and I've been through there and and, and yeah I would agree I think that it's 
I mean, I don't know what, I don't want to get like too much into it or, or don't want to like hijack stuff or whatever you want to say, but I, I call it a lifesaver and I'm serious about it. Like it's, it's been, yeah, the physical side of it's amazing. The, the social and the friendship side of it is fantastic as well, but you know, it's both created uh, like relationship with myself and relationship with just amazing people that has, you know, keeps your, keeps your brain and your, and your, and your mental state in a good place. Uh, so yeah, I love it. It's just, it's great. Uh, you put in the notes, I think I, I can't skip it. The funeral four. What is that? Uh, what, are you, <laughs> what are you saying here? What is that? So I have, I call it the funeral four because, and every dad is going to, well, I think relate to this a little bit where the things that we just have on repeat that we say to our kids over and over and over. And I call it my funeral four because if, if I don't hear them talk about these four things at my funeral, then they're going to get haunted. I'm, I'm going to have to just go back and, cause clearly I didn't handle my business in mortality. And, uh, and yeah, so yeah, that's why I call it the funeral four because they're the kind of things that I, I really hope that I put into their brains enough that they want to talk about it at the funeral. Like, oh, dad always said this and dad always said that. So, and they're just kind of the life lessons that all have applied to different uh, degrees out on the bike. And so number one is it doesn't matter how many, I mean, I've heard that, like I said, I've heard this before on, on your podcast as well, where, you know, it doesn't matter how many times you fall, it matters how many times you get up. Mm -hmm. Uh Number two is don't look in others' bowls, which like the like the bowl bowl, and that's from a, a Louis C.K. Uh, show, actually, where he says the only time you look into somebody else's bowl is to make sure that they have enough. You don't ever look in somebody else's bowl to uh, compare and you know base your happiness on that. So all the time, and like, well, Dad, he got this or didn't get that. It's like, no, stop looking in other people's bowls. <laughs> Uh, three is to leave the world better than you found it today. I'll find something small to do every day to make it better. Uh, it's nice out here in Southern California because uh, there's always a shopping cart to take out of the parking lot and put back in the stall. Uh, just little things. I try and teach and show that. Uh, and then number four is you do more on your feet or your knees than you do on your butt or your back. And as any dad who's, who's tried to help their kids clean up the toy room, they'll know that's true. You kids they'll start laying down and throwing tantrums and doesn't get done as fast but get on your feet or down on your knees and things tend to happen better but i ask my kids i go hey i'm gonna be on this podcast what should i talk about should i talk about the funeral four and they're like yeah and i go okay what are they <laughs> and so both of my littles they're nine and eleven like in unison shout pee before you go <laughs> like, that's not one of the funeral four guys Man, yeah, I wish it was. That would help it. us out. I love you. Like, you know what? Maybe it's the funeral five. Pee before you go. Yeah. <laughs> now they're memorializing. They're going to be on the internet. We got video. We oh, got no. audio. We're going to play. Yeah. That's there you go. go. Pee before nice. you go. Um, one thing that these two dudes do, uh, although Nate, he kind of takes a book out of Jake's uh, page out of Jake's book, which is he's kind of sneaky with his Strava uploads. We don't really know what he's doing. Is he training? We don't know. It's not an open book, which is fine. Uh, maybe let's talk just real quick about this is uh, I love both your lifestyles, you as men, um, the way you balance everything. Can you talk about that for a sec? Just training, your life, your work, your family, and how cycling fits in. 
Sure. You want me to go first? Sure, yeah, go first. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm pretty fortunate now, uh, now because both of my children are out of the house. So I have a lot more flexibility now than I ever did. When I first started writing, though, um, <laughs> I, I had an interesting experience because I was, um, you know, working a ton still and uh, not home a ton. And I actually had this sort of uh, come to terms with life experience with my wife where she sat me down and said, your son is 12. And if he doesn't see more of you, you're going to mm. lose. And uh, that was like a big eye opener for me. I mean, I've always been very close with the kids, but um, like, just thank heavens that my wife sort of had the the foresight and the willingness to have that conversation with me. So um, I just started putting everything else on hold, coaching soccer and doing stuff like that. And then just figuring out how to fit, you know, training in. I knew I knew I needed to ride, but that was also... I would say pre like super competitive at Lodija. That was much more like, I just want to survive Lodija and maybe someday I'll break 10 hours. So it was a different training program back then. And it, and it all kind of managed to work together. Um, you know, I, I, I will say that one of the great things about the TBD group is just watching like how well so many of them balance family with training because i mean particularly if you're going to try and do loaded job look you just you, you can't not train it requires a bunch of time but um you know you see folks like give up you know time so they can be with the family i think you know for me it was really just like family first make sure you've done what you have to there and then figure out you know, and so sometimes that meant I had to get up super early to figure to get some training and sometimes it meant I just skipped training. Um, but, you know, you're never, you're never going to get, I don't think you can get to where you need to be if you ignore the family piece of it, frankly. And so to me, like, once you kind of figure that out, like you're, you're, if you're, if you want to do it, you'll figure it out even though you're spending the right amount of time at home with the family. And it, and it looks not easy, but it's worth every sacrifice you make for it. Yeah. Nice. I love that. Amen. Nate, Nate, you're required to read what you wrote in the Google Doc. Yeah, I've, ne I've never been good at balance. Uh, <laughs> balance is for people without a lot of intestinal fortitude. I don't know. No, I actually admire the people that have a lot of balance. They are not wussies uh, at all. Uh, but it's uh, it, my brain just doesn't operate that way. It's kind of like I'm all on or all off. And so hmm. my Strava is blank right now because my bike has dust on it. It's kind of okay. like I finished. I, we did we did another race in uh, or just a ride, I guess, in Santa Barbara. That was a brutal one. And yeah, it's been like month and a half and I, since I've been on the bike. So as far I, as we all know, right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. As far as we all know. <laughs> yeah. I, I did. I did actually really appreciate when Chris came on and talked about the pick two method. Yep. Uh, mostly because that's like a completely foreign language to me. I mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty attention deficient. And so I get spread all over the place and I don't mm -hmm. know how, how you could do pick two. And so I've ended up finding balance by, by merging stuff, you know, I, I work from home a lot so that I can be there when the kids get home and 
take breaks to hang out with him. And uh, I was trying for a while to marry work with uh, with riding bikes, but haven't figured that out yet. But um, yeah, I just kind of mesh everything together, try and, you know, obviously give time to family first, uh, but then try and find ways to to marry the the events like I can. But yeah, I don't I don't know how you. It's also a complete understatement for him to say he doesn't have balance because, you know, all, all the stuff I said about guys that give up stuff for their family first, he's right at the top of the list. So, yeah. Well, if you've ever ridden with Nate, the dude's just an absolute hammer. I mean, he says he doesn't train, but I mean, you get behind him and he's just an absolute hammer. So, I mean, dude yeah. works his tail off. So, thanks. Nate, here it I, is. Well, I will say this, that Shane, is, well, if we're going to start throwing compliments around, let's go. Uh, <laughs> Shane is is known in the Southern California legal community. This, mm -hmm. These are the attorneys that grind themselves through marriages, through ruined father's-child relationships. Shane is known as the hardest worker out there. Like, That's everybody cool. I talk to is like, oh, I know Shane. Man, I heard he like works 20 hours a day all the time. It's like, yeah, he does. And, but then you turn around, it's like, and he has the best relationship with his family. Like he, his kids adore him and he adores them. Uh, I remember he, maybe the most, one of the most excited times I've seen him at Lodaju was the year I said that I was, my kids were finally old enough that I was thinking about bringing them along. And he's like, it's the best. It's never better than when your kids are there with you and they're sharing yeah. the experience with you. And uh, he is uh, just a, a shining example of how to be a dad and how to be That's a cool. husband and a friend when you also are an attorney and a cyclist because all of those things take a ton of time but Shane yeah. is Shane manages it masterfully love it did you learn that from anybody Shane or did you come to learn it on your own uh you know I have a tremendous wife and um she has been exceptional at I would say helping me understand like the importance of it and helping me find a path to, to meet those obligations. Cool. Um, and I think that's made, you know, all the difference. She's super understanding and she loves that I'm writing and she knows how good it is for me. So she's, she's very encouraging, but she's also always ready to say, you know, not, <laughs> you got to dial it back here. You've got to focus on this. And uh, I find that if I just listen, which is not always my best strength, but when I do, she's right. So nice. Very cool. Um, transition. Ready? We're right. going to we're going to Lodija. Uh our two teams just absolutely love this day. And I I know that a lot of our you know, a lot of our focus sits there, a lot of your guys' focus sits there. Maybe let's talk a little bit about what you guys remember. Um your journeys as you've kind of done it over the years. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time, this sounds ridiculous. I'm sure other guys do this, but like, I'll go to Shane's Instagram page and I will just scroll all the way freaking back to the beginning. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I do the same thing to Nate. I'm just scrolling back. And uh, it's, I think it's cool. I mean, it's fun to see that journey on there. Um, but a lot guys like us have, uh, we posted, here it is. Here I am at Lodija in 2013. And uh riding a fuji or i don't know you probably never <laughs> rode fuji but shane maybe you start first kind of how did loda just start and um maybe just talk about your journey uh, of that race i mean i had a pretty interesting start so um and 
Nate and I were joking about this because I've for the first like I don't know seven or eight years I wrote a, a pretty detailed race report after every time I did Lodija so I've probably got 60 or 80 pages of you know no. what's what this experience has been to me but the first year for me um was just crazy on all accounts like I didn't I I was riding with like three other guys first time I'd ever done it I had no idea what I was getting into they were always just like oh you're gonna do great oh you're gonna do great and like so in my mind I was like okay I'm gonna do okay like fine I just want to finish um I didn't end up getting into Logan the night before the race until about one in the morning oh boy we were staying at someplace called the econo lodge i don't think it even exists anymore <laughs> it was like so sketchy my wife was like are you serious like it was like carpet patches on concrete floor and they weren't all there the first key the guy gave us was to not our room we almost walked yes. something <laughs> <Yes. laughs> so that was so that was how it started you know i got out i got on the race i ended up having four flats over the course oh. of the race. Everybody oh. I was with left. I rode the whole thing basically after mile like 50 by myself. I finished dead last. I'm not kidding you, dead last in my group, 12 and a half hours. The only people behind me were DNFs. And I got off the bike and I was like, I literally said to Tate, who was, you know, the guy that convinced me to do it, I was like, you lied to me. There, there was literally nothing fun about this. You're a liar. I'm never yes. doing this again. I cannot believe you made me do this. <laughs> then I went off to my hotel room and that was it. By the next day, I was like, yeah, I'm probably going to have to give this another shot. Yeah. There's got to be, be more to it than that, which my wife was like, are you an idiot? Why would you ever do this? Again? Um so I came back the second year. Second year did not go any better. I ended up having a massive asthma attack right before the Salt River climb. Didn't realize until that moment that I actually had asthma. Um, so exercised induced asthma. I couldn't breathe. I pulled over, hmm. pulled out. So didn't finish the second year. <laughs> um, and then was like, okay, like I'm going to give it one more shot and see if we can start to do this and got through it the next year was on asthma meds and you know you just make these different adjustments every year to kind of figure out how to make it all work and uh so from there it was like you know just try to get faster every year I mean I will say I, I raced to that thing five or six times without I would put quotes around race I mean I wasn't racing I was hmm. goal was like break 10 hours I, the idea that you could ever get on the podium or be with the leaders that was like not even like a glimpse in the distance wow. I didn't think that was anything hmm. um and so that was just kind of how it went and then I would say around 2000 I think 16 I broke 10 hours by like one minute like 9:59, <laughs> and I was like you know through the moon so excited finally had hit that next year got a little faster still got dropped but I think that I think the next year might have been either Nate's first or second year on the podium and it was really Nate that sort of turned on the like hey we can race this thing because he was the first guy in the group from Orange County at least to get on the podium and I was like whoa how, how did that happen that's insane 
Um, and so the next year, um, I got dropped, but I finished very fast for me. It was like 940 and I was like maybe in the top 10 or something like that. And I was like, okay, like, I think, I think I see how this is working now. And then we came back the next year and was third. And then the year after that was 2019 when we rode with you guys. And, yeah. and I think the best thing that happened to us in 2019 was from my, in my 2020 hindsight, it's the fact that you weren't feeling very good because I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I beat you otherwise. <laughs> so, Amen. so thank you. <laughs> when we Terrible. went to camp with you guys at the, the next year, I was like, said to Nate, I was like, dude, how lucky are we that Stu wasn't feeling good? That was a bad was day. No way we beat that guy. <laughs> yep. Yep. That was a bad day. <laughs> but you got, you got, you were ta Taylor was in the group. Jameson was in the group. Doug was in the group. What a fun year. That was awesome. I mean, that was, you know, I'm sure we, I'm sure we could talk about it, but that was probably a, our highlight of our loaded yeah. Both because, not just because we had such a great showing, but meeting you guys, like, watching you guys race the whole thing where we you know managed the group a bit to let nate and those guys get on after one of our guys crap like mm -hmm. all around just like <laughs> you know we just met you guys in the first 10 miles of the race and it was already like home run so yeah yep. yeah nate's got some notes there nate you want you want to talk about your journey through uh low tj uh yeah i mean it's it's a lot similar we we I think we got roped in by Tate saying, oh, it's fun. It's nice. Yeah, there's some mountains in the beginning, but once you do those first three, then there's no more climbing. It's not even windy. It's not even windy. <laughs> Bald-faced lie. <laughs> I remember going up uh, Snake River Canyon because that's right where I've always wanted to quit is right about 10 miles before Alpine. Uh, that's when my quit starts. And then to have to turn up that canyon like i'm going up a canyon tate you're a liar and he's like it's not that bad there's a tailwind it's beautiful it's look, beautiful. look at the river <laughs> right um but i actually i you know i i have deep family roots up there and it was nice it was i i think like a lot of people by the time you've put that much time on the bike your endorphins and all of your feel-good brain chemicals are going through you so much that you're pretty high uh, and you have good prayers and you have good spiritual experiences. And it was, you know, by the end, by the time I finished, it was, I was just ecstatic. And, you know, that I, a year earlier finished my one and only marathon crossed that line and said, I will never do this again. But that first time across uh, the, the finished stripe up in Jackson, up in Teton village, it was, I can't wait to do this again. Here's what I'm going to do different next year. And here's what I'm going to adjust. And, uh, it, you know, from there, we kind of just, you know, fell into a, the, like a lot of us where that is the event that you work towards every year and you kind of build your, your, your life around it. You circle it on the calendar and you get your hotel rooms early and you start putting your training plans together. And, uh, mm -hmm. second year of wasn't like the best for me, but I, it, it was good in that I saw what I was capable of. I, I, I let the leaders go halfway up strawberry. And I remember watching them go thinking that was dumb. Why did you do that? And mm -hmm. you could, you could put your, put yourself a little bit deeper and, and hang with those guys. Uh, but I was thinking, oh, I want to conserve energy. I, I'm going, I'm on pace right now. I should be okay for my time goal. And 
uh, it was at the end of that one when I decided I'm not going to worry about the clock anymore. Like, I'm just going to turn this into a, a, a race of, well, the first time that I tried to compete, it was like, let's just go over strawberry. See, do whatever you can to hang with the, with the front over strawberry and then see what happens. And that one, I got lucky uh, and ended up sneaking onto the podium. You know, we're grateful that it's five wide. Uh, same thing with the year after that, where it's just able to, to get on with some, some strong guys. That was the bunch of boys from, from zone five. Uh, we all got together and just, there was six of us at the end. And so kind of just do your, take your polls and hope you survive till the end. And yeah, after that, it, it just became a lot more of a, of a competitive trying to stay really present and not worry about what's waiting over the other hill or the next, you know, bit of pain. Just hang in where you are and see how it goes. But no, it's been great. It's yeah. It's, people kind of criticize. I've I've had criticisms before that that all we do at TVD is is ride Lodija, and mm. I, I think it, it might actually be fair to say that we're not really a racing team. We're kind of just a, a you know group of friends that gets together to ride bikes, and we also do Lodija, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds accurate. Yeah. Welcome to the Criticize Club. It's all good. <laughs> Amen. Not, I do not I, care. I, <laughs> listen, it was Spencer who, Spencer did some damage to who I am on the inside because he challenged a lot of my deep-seated feelings about certain things. Spencer Chipping, that is. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of them is to hear him talk about all the different events that he does, the diversity of events, and the adventures that he goes on. Uh, was It, it kind of stung me a little bit. I was like, man, I need to... I need to like broaden my horizons a little bit here. That there's more out there than just road biking. We're going to get you on a gravel bike finally. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Let's Whoa, get you on crusher. Let's get you on crusher. <laughs> Nate, will you talk about 2019 when we rode together? We share that story. Uh, yeah. So boy, thanks. 2019 was uh, kind of a, a game and a life changer for a lot of us, I think. Um, and you don't want to wax too like dramatic or poetic about it, you know, a bike race, but there was so much to it that was just really precious, might be the right word. Um, you, you can tell what somebody, what is important to somebody by what comes natural to them. And, you know, if you you meet a bike mechanic that's really, really good at fixing bikes. You can almost tell the minute they start, you know, put their hands on the bike. You can see, oh, this guy does this a lot. He or she loves it, and they're it's just natural to them. And and 2019, I saw a lot of that both with the TBD squad as well as the the okay, is it me duele? Nice name. Me duole. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Me. You got it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, you got it. Alta, not Alta. Kazier, Kazier. It's Kazier actually, but okay. Kazier works. Uh, <laughs> um, sorry, I like Miduele. I'll say it that way. Yeah, it's good. Google Translate tells me it's Miduole, but that is right. You know, it, I like the yeah, yes, the answer is yes. Um, but we were twenty-three or so miles in. We had just crossed to the Idaho border. Um, I think that my first text to you was, hey, let's go. Well, well, Wade Polson put us together and uh, 
your answer is like, hey, let's sleep together. Or you know, mm-hmm. not that, but let's get a room together, something like that. And I said, mm-hmm. well, my, I'm staying at my grandpa's house, but he's kind of blind, so he won't mind. <laughs> uh, and then, Stu, you said, I like you, let's win. Mm-hmm. Like, boom, let's go. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we might be on the same wavelength here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was kind of intimidated when I looked at the, the start list and I saw the, the Miduele team and there was a bunch of you and I may or may not stalk the people on that list and <laughs> started looking at how strong everybody was. And uh, so I was glad that we had formed an alliance, at least, you know, to stop to pee at certain spots and, you know, be cool through the feed zones. But yeah, 20 something or so miles in, you hear that crunch of a crash. Mm-hmm. And I look back and <clears throat> somebody said it was one of mine. I see that it was uh, our friend, Chad Turner. and. I feel I feel kind of bad, but I hesitated. I was like, "Oh yeah, he just crashed. What should I do?" I was like, ah, "It's Chad. I got, it's he's team. I'm gonna go back." And to so I circled back and I see him just starfished on the ground, just yard sale with his gear everywhere. He had a, I, f- I know he had a bad concussion. I don't know if he broke his collarbone that time again. He's he's ridden loaded on a broken collarbone more than once. Um, oh. The guy crashes too much. Um, but what the image that stuck in my mind was there he was sprawled out on the ground, but all around him and helping him were TBD kits. It just other guys who hadn't even hesitated, like, oh, that's Chad. And they all had stopped and they were helping him up. And these were all, we were thinking before we saw Miduele on the on our ride group that we had a group to, to sweep the podium that year. And here were Jordan Turner, Travis Clater, Dave Gardner, all guys, and Chad Turner, he was faster than me that year, who were all capable of getting on that podium. Shane didn't turn around because Shane was where he was supposed to be in the group, up in the front, away from the danger. Uh, And, you know, I was just so impressed that these guys didn't even hesitate. It was natural. Somebody's down, somebody's not feeling it, you go back and you help. And they had just given up a full year of work to do that. And I sent Shane a text that said, hey, we had a crash. Uh, it'd be cool if you could slow guys down or something like that. Hoping it would go up, pop up on his Garmin and he could see it. Uh, I don't know if he did or not, but then we... Uh, I we saw him it. swipe. I saw him swipe it away. Oh, nice. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. How do I delete this? Uh, uh, I did. I don't that, know was, keep... that was intended for somebody else. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> Got the, the Tinder app on the Garmin. Uh, <laughs> But uh, no, we, I, I told the boys to pee. I said, just while we're getting Chad put in the, in the van, go to the bathroom because we're going to hit it after this. And that was, we were stopped five, six minutes was all. Um, and then it was like a five man, wait, Travis, Jordan, myself, four man time trial, just busting it. And we were going as hard as we could. and. Only once or twice did I hear guys say, this is too much. You know, we're burning ourselves out. And I'm like, mm. this is our race now. Like, we're going to go as hard as we can until we catch the group. And if we don't catch the group, then, you know, I'll, I'll ease up if we get to Strawberry without having caught you guys. Mm. Uh, Shane actually called at one point. Really? So I, don't know, I don't know if this just disqualifies his yep. win, but he did use a phone. <laughs> I'm, lo- I'm loving all these tactics here. He's like texting, <laughs> calling. Jeez. Team radio. I've been doing it all wrong for years. <laughs> right. Yeah, <you're> radio going. 
<laughs> he calls me and he's like, Even hey, have teammates uh, what's stop up? when you crash, you know, geez Louise. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice, right? Hey, you, well, <laughs> let's just stop for a moment to give a shout out to Jake's brother to go back. Thank dude. you. That was Amen. awesome. That was Amen. really, really cool. Um, no, so Shane's like, hey, what's up? And I was like, uh, we crashed and we're trying to catch up to you guys. Do you think you could, you know, soft pedal for a minute? <laughs> And I know that I was asking too much for Shane, but um, little did I know that the Miduele squad was up there regulating. And uh, you guys saw, I didn't know what you guys were doing, but I heard there was a lot of shouting, a lot of uh, controlling folks. There may have been one or two guys off the front, but they apparently weren't a threat. And yeah, we went hard for about an hour, 23, 24 miles before we caught up to you. And um yeah, well, then it Stu, was. I mean, Stu had come when I heard you guys crash. I went to the back. To, well, I heard there was a crash, so I went to the back, and I I didn't even know anybody had gone down. And then I heard there was a crash, so I went to the back, saw none of you guys, and was like, "This is not good." Stu came back, and he was like, "What's up?" And I'm like, "Looks like our guys went down." And then I think I got your text, and so then it was right around like. I want to say we were just pulling into Preston when I called you because I could get the hands free. And so then, and then I was up front with Stu and Doug and we were just like, all right, we'll just like dial it back a little bit here. Yep. See how it goes. <laughs> I was hoping to catch everybody at the Mink Creek pee stop. Mm -hmm. I was like, we already peed. Let's just hit it and see if we can get them there. I started to see guys falling off from our, our group with our numbers. And I thought, okay, we might just have a chance here. And, uh, the smartest thing that Jordan Turner said that day is as we saw you guys on the horizon a bit, he said, don't tell them we're here. <laughs> like, just get on the back and just go as slow as they're going for as long as they will. Huh. I think Doug, Good. as soon as we pulled up, Doug was like, they're here, they're here, let's go. <laughs> no, please, not yet. <laughs> no, that was amazing. Uh, I got, a, I, I got a, yeah. I got a cafe Rio gift card out of that. So <laughs> I didn't know how much acrimony there would be between the, the, uh, is it barbacoa? Is that mm -hmm. yeah. Barbacoa <laughs> and cafe Rio. And so I just kept mentioning the cafe Rio side and I was like, I'll be funny. And <laughs> you didn't have to do that. That's, and that's part of what was so impactful to me is, is your team had no business slowing everybody else down. So the competitors could catch back up. Uh, I think that 90 something percent of people would have said, Oh, good. You know, that, that improves my mm -hmm. chances now, but we've yeah, ridden some of those guys in subsequent years. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so I, I, that stood out a lot uh, to me about what kind of squad this was. And then going up Geneva, I remember that we're starting up that Geneva climb and we were we were hitting it for a minute and then all of a sudden the whole pace just went like well, what's going on and uh we didn't know but it, i i think Stu, that was where where you were starting to run into distress oh, yeah. yeah and your boys it was like it was so natural going back to you can tell what's important to somebody by what's natural to mm -hmm. them they're like we're taking care of Stu. everybody's slowing down <laughs> chill out let's see if we can get them over this thing and and uh it was it was inspiring to watch the way that they took care of you too and so yeah that's when i kind of knew that the we uh we were on the same wavelength and then they found out i had a big turd in my bibs and taylor was like we gotta leave him, <laughs> <laughs> leave him, leave him. 
That was a long day. That was Taylor terrible. was riding oh, away man. from us all day on the climbs. That so was one of the. I was, was worried only, about Taylor that year. That was one of the only races I've loaded just I've ever done where I was. I was like I was alone. I was yeah. like, that's hard. That race is hard alone. It is not yeah. fun. That I is think not, everybody's is had not that, fun. Right? Yeah, it is. That is not fun. Um, well, I love that race. I know Jake's yeah. uh, so-so on Lotija. He's had his experiences, but it really is like a cool uh, metaphor for life, in my opinion. Like it's just a, it's just an incredible experience. Um, it's way more than, you know, whatever East Canyon. I mean, I don't want to badmouth other races, but it is a lot is taught on that. Agreed. Stretch route. Yeah. For sure. You just learn a lot. Not only about yourself, but others. And uh-huh. it's just so cool. Um, maybe we could maybe we could transition there into that. Um, what you guys have learned the most from either that race or from the sport. Do you want to go first, Shane? Sure. Um the interest the probably the thing that I've learned the most um at Lodija, and it's been sort of um, you know, over the course of the process i mean i've had years where i've trained the hardest i've ever trained and not done as well as i thought i should do yeah. had years where i haven't trained as well but done even better and i think the biggest secret to it all that i've learned surprisingly surprisingly is is one that i've learned from nate which is how important the mental aspect of that race is mm-hmm. and um I saw that specifically um, when we raced in 2020, I was like, that was the year after I'd won. I'd ridden even harder, trained even harder. I was like, there's no way we're not on the podium this year. And um, I was like, this is like, we're, we're going to kill this thing. And I got dropped on strawberry. Hmm. And I was like, what <laughs> world is happening here? And I managed to catch uh, catch back up uh, coming down the backside, um, and I got back on the group. And then we raced with some different folks that year who didn't have the same let's work together through the feed zones. Mm-hmm. So uh, we got left in the first feed zone, and we just couldn't catch back on after that. But what? yeah, it was uh, frustrating. But the the important thing for me was when I was going into this last year. Um, I had read this quote that was, um, that said, uh, discomfort is the price of admission to a meaningful life. And the thought occurred to me that I had, I felt like I was so well prepared in 2020 that when the pain hit, I wasn't ready for it because I was like, why do I even feel like this? This is not how this is supposed to be. And I realized that you have that is 100% what it's supposed to be like you're gonna <laughs> hurt and you have to hurt um and so it just really changed my sort of approach for this last year where I was like you're gonna hit strawberry it's gonna be horrible and you're just gonna have to ride as hard as you can to get through it and I say that I've learned that from Nate because if you've ridden with Nate like there is no one more mentally strong mm-hmm. in Lodija. like I will watch him train over the year he rides half the miles that I ride every year and he's as strong as me. And it's because of his mental game. Like the guy, you cannot stop him as evidenced by, you know, the five minute chase to catch back on in 2019. Like, and for me, that's been like the biggest piece is like how much 
of a mental game it is to get through that race and how much you have to be prepared on that level in addition to the physical level if your goal is to you know race and to be with the leaders and do that stuff so for me that's one of the biggest <clears throat> ones that i've learned the the other thing that i take away from it um every year is just consistent with everything else it's like the value of the friendships and the camaraderie that we have. I mean, I could never yeah. race the thing like I do without Nate. Like, like he's the guy. I mean, we have very different riding style uh, when we're racing. He's the guy that's making friends with everyone. He's talking to everyone. He's like, how are we going to do this? I'm like head down, <laughs> quiet and riding on his tail. Like you figure it out. I'm just going to try to survive. Um, but, you know, there's no one I would rather race with than him. hundred percent because because the way he is and the the atmosphere that he creates in the race is phenomenal for me. Um, and look, we've had years, 2021, where Nate and I just decided, look, we're going to not race this year. We got, you know, five buddies that want to break 10 that have never done it before. We spent the whole year just training with them. And the whole goal of the race was to drag them across the line in under 10. We didn't, we didn't make it. But it was a great year. We had, we had a total blast, and it was just awesome to be with those guys and push them and try and get them there. And you know, to me, that's every year I come away from loaded it's with stronger ties to the guys that we race with, and that's the best thing about it. For me. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. My favorite Shane Nate moment I've rewatched many times on YouTube from <laughs> Shane's front camera. <clears throat> Nate does a countdown with his fingers. <laughs> And Shane goes, no, 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 not yet, not yet, and waves him off. And then, dude, you let it, you did that lead out after Taylor's failed three pedal strokes. <laughs> and then Nate, man, you led Shane right into that finish line. It was so cool. It just, I mean, I agree with Shane. Very cool to watch you guys work together and train together. It's inspiring. It's awesome. So Taylor was our marked guy, right? That's why I waved. That's why I waved Nate off. I was like, no, no, wait till. In my mind, I was like, wait till Taylor goes because we got to ride his wheel first. Yeah. And he went. Wasn't much of a ride, but it was. Good. <laughs> I love that. Taylor we can only say that man. now because yeah. we know Taylor's about ten x stronger than us. Though. <laughs> Taylor, Taylor could have won it. that year had he broken away. There's that very last climb as you're going around right before you you cut down into the neighborhoods yeah so you're going up and there's that just a long left mm -hmm. uh, curve and then you go across the street and down into the neighborhoods he looked so comfortable up that and he probably put a minute on us Dang. up over that thing and then he's like oh i feel bad about doing that to those guys i'm gonna slow down and let them <laughs> catch on if he would have just put his head down there's no way we would have caught him but mm. yeah he's a good blood that guy he's mm. he was awesome Nate, how about you? Um, final, what are your thoughts on what you learned from that race and um, what's taught you over the years? Yeah, I think it's cute that Shane says that uh, you're always going to hurt in the race. And this is how much it's supposed to hurt. Because <laughs> uh, if you guys don't know, Shane's on a first name basis with the medical team uh, mm -hmm. at Lodija in the tent. They all, oh, hi, Shane. Ready to need some oxygen again? Need some mm -hmm. IVs? uh your organs are shutting down all right let's let's get to the hospital <laughs> like it's he he takes that suffering to a whole new level um, well shane you remember i saw you in the tent in 2020 because it was because that terrible smoke remember the how yeah. awful the forest fires were yeah yeah that was a bad year that was bad okay 
know, I've just learned you got to you got to learn in life how to be present. Uh, you know, learn from the past and be excited about the future. Be curious about the future, but you can't you can't burn energy worrying about it. You got to just get as present as you can and love and live where you are. Um, and that you're stronger than you think you are. Last year was was the most difficult. That was my year alone race, uh, where it was come over the top of Salt, just maybe 90 seconds behind the lead group. Uh, and normally I can make that up on the descent, but y'all learned how to go downhill now. So <laughs> I got to the bottom and nobody was there and away I went and just, you gotta, you know, you're, you're stronger than you think you are and it's worth it to keep going. So those are kind of like little, I don't know, nuggets that I always take away from the, from yeah. the race. Good nuggets. Like the nuggets. Let's uh okay. We'll wrap up here with some advice. Um, is that good? You guys good with that? Yeah. Um, let's say you you're riding in a group ride, whatever. Um, but I mean, you guys have been exposed to endurance sports for a long time. What advice are you sharing to somebody? Um, whether they're listening to this or you're out on a group ride and they ask you for advice, is there something that stands out most that you'll share? Maybe you go first, Shane. I mean, it's interesting for me. I think there's a couple things. Um, over the course of training for this, I mean, if I'm just talking like pure, like how to improve performance, I think the best thing that ever happened to us was getting on trainers. And I would have said, I would have, I would have never thought that, right? I rode just outdoors all the time for probably the first four or five years. And the year that I got on a trainer in the off season was probably the year that my fitness got like just skyrocketed the the you know the fixed element of it you're not worrying about lights you're not doing any of that stuff you can you can train harder in less time on a trainer and i say that and then i pause because i also think that like <clears throat> it completely does not make up for riding outdoors and riding with a group like you will never push yourself as hard as you will riding with faster guys. <clears throat> so I think, I think the other piece that I would tell people is find a fast, find a good group, find a fast group, find guys that are faster than you. You will, they're, they're out there no matter how fast you are and ride with them. Hold on as long as you can and then come back for more. And like, for me, that's been another huge one. I mean, Jake's come out and done coffee crew with us. And I can tell you like, when we first started doing that, I mean, I was getting blown off the back of that thing and just like <clears throat> holding on for dear life half the time. Yep. And like, it's what makes it, it goes back to a little bit to the mental thing, because you start to learn like how hard you can push yourself and still recover and still be, and still hang on. And so you can't do either of those. You've got to do both, I think, but both and both are critical to like, really, I think, getting fast from my perspective that's great advice great advice yeah. other thing i would tell people that's less like how to just be physically fast is it has to be fun like <laughs> you have to find a way for this to be fun i mean it's be very easy to like lock yourself in your garage and ride your trainer every day and get strong and never talk to anybody and you're not going to have fun the trainer is not fun it's, it's not <laughs> Maybe the guys that do Zwift have a little bit of fun, but the trainer is not fun. It's no. like it's like the penalty. It's like the price you pay, basically. Yeah. Like, 
for those that have been on missions, right? It's like tracting. I mean, it's just like, you have to do it. There's no other way around it. But the fun is like what keeps you coming back. And the fun is what like lets you get out of bed at five in the morning on Saturday and go meet up with the guys and go hammer yourself to death. So if you're not having fun, then you're not doing it right. Yeah. And you got to figure out, you got to figure out the next thing. Cause that, cause that is key. If you're not having fun, you're never going to train well enough to, to do it. And, and you're not going to want to. So, and it's fun, like hands down. I have my best times when I'm out on my bike. Yeah. Worst day Amen. on the bike, better than better than better than the best day at work or anything like that. I mean, it just is. So, Amen. Nice. Great advice. Thanks, Shane. Yeah. Nate, what you got? Uh, pee before you go. <laughs> you already gave that advice. <laughs> oh yeah, do that though. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I thought it was pee while you're going. <laughs> Once or twice. <laughs> Actually, that was a game changer, but I wouldn't recommend like training to pee while mm. on group rides with your squad. Do that by yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, I no, I I don't know. I I echo everything Shane said. I think that that we we share a lot of that the same way uh, in terms of yeah. There's just there aren't shortcuts, and the thing that's cool about cycling is. is uh, the same with life is that you get what you put into it and you just got to You got to put in the work. And, and the only way to really put in enough work to, to do well is to love it and to find ways and reasons to love it. Um, I, uh, I also think on the team front, we hear a lot of people saying, Oh yeah, find a team that you like and stuff. And yeah, that's really important, but guess what? You're not going to find a team that you like if you're not going to put stuff into the team as well. Don't just join a team Amen. thinking, Oh, these guys, they're all fast and they're all cool. So I'm going to hang out with them and then also be fast and be cool, but find ways to add, uh, find ways to give and find ways to, uh, yeah, give more than you expect to get. And that's when you'll see the greatness from it. Uh, Shane is a, is a fantastic example of that he's Shane's so generous that sometimes we don't go to Shane with our problems because he won't let us work through them. He's like, dude, why? I just, I got that in my garage. Come get it. And, or, you know, let's just do it this way and solve it that way. Like, so just, yeah, generosity is a gift. And if you can share, if you can give more than, than you take in any situation, but especially on with the team and, and, you know, working hard on the bike, then you're going to see great results. Nice. Amen. Thanks, Nate. Jake, any questions before we wrap up? No, I just absolutely love these two dudes, man. I just love, love everything about them. And it's, it's just kind of been sitting back here. I haven't said much during this, but it's just been being a sponge, man, soaking up all the, the lifelong experience these guys have had over, you know, the course of their lives. And, you know, I can just say that these both guys are all y'all, both, all three of you guys are mentors to me. And it's been fun to to play around with you guys on the bike and, and hang out with you guys in Cali. And, but uh, there's, there's no better people than, than these guys here. And, and uh, just can't say enough good things about you guys. You guys are fantastic. So. Thanks Jake. You're going to make us cry. Yeah. I, I definitely felt like I joined the cool kids club when, <laughs> It was that first time in St. George and we'd really climbing camp. And it was Adam Barker talking about making Navajo tacos in his bibs. And like, these guys climb. These guys are hilarious. They're, they're so cool. They're my people. And then it was like, I got invited to sit at the cool kids table. But then like, in an, it was opposite of an eighties movie where instead of like realizing that coolness is on the inside and the cool kids weren't that cool or whatever, you guys were cool on the inside too. And it's like, 
it was such a cool <laughs> blessing to to have guys who are willing to just get as stupid silly as you can get but then also i know that every one of you would drop what you're doing to go help somebody when they when they're in need and that's the kind of stuff that saves lives and changes lives and so yeah i i feel super blessed to be part of this squad both tbd as well as our we got to figure out a way to put our like letters together mm. m m t b Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Hey, very good. I mean, I would, you know, I would, I would just echo what Nate said. Like, we counted one of the best blessings we've had to encounter your team and, mm-hmm. to, and to come together. And I hope that, like, I mean, you guys obviously have a much larger group than us, and probably a lot of folks that are sort of, I would say, not necessarily like as involved as others are in the group. But the great thing about your group is that, like, if anybody wants to be closer, stronger, more, all they got to do is put the time in, right? You guys mm-hmm. are so open, so welcome. I mean, you look at us. Like, I feel like we show up to camp and we're, like, just part of the team. Like, it's mm-hmm. the greatest thing ever. And we ride with you guys at Lodice or we ride with you at camp. And, you know, when you visit us in Southern California. So, like, you know, I mean, I would encourage anybody that's on your team and watches these podcasts, like, throw your heart into this thing. You will get way more out of it than mm-hmm. – to it well Thank said you. man amen all right boys it's been good we've been going a long time <laughs> well that was awesome all right love you both thank you so much there for your you time love you boys, yeah, boys. Awesome. all right guys, guys. Thanks. Thanks. see you guys